0: The ideas expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the views or opinions of any current or previous employers. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. We have an awesome interview with Brian Cicera, the CEO of TrueWork today. We talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about how true work came about, tree climbing competitions. We talk about the importance of essential workers. Uh, Brian is a super interesting guy, and Jason was super bummed he couldn't be on it. After the interview, I sent the raw data over to Jason, let him listen to it, and then called him up and asked him what he thought. So after the interviewer, Jason's thoughts, like I said, he was super bummed he couldn't be on the interview, but unfortunately he was super busy. Take a listen to it. I think you're really going to find it very interesting. Brian's a great guy. He's got great insight into the industry, kind of the direction the industry is going, and how he hopes to see it evolve. Really interesting interview. Don't forget, to jump on buildertactics.com, download the manual. It's ten bucks. Goes to help support the show. There's a ton of information on it or in it. Also, there's an audiobook coming soon. Go to our partners page, click the link for TrueWork. Go there. You can fill out what you're doing to kind of help improve your career, improve yourself, improve the industry, improve the trades, and you you've got a chance to win some really great TrueWork gear. Also, your first order at TrueWork. Uh, Type in the promo code CMP15 for 15% off your first order. The gear is great. You're going to love it. Guys, don't forget to send your resumes in. If you go to the Apply tab on the website, there's a spot in there. You can fill out your name, the location you're looking for a job, submit your resume. I've started a database. As builders ask, hey, do you know anybody in this area? Do you know anybody over here? I just feed your resumes. Anyway, check it out. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube. Okay, guys. Enjoy the interview. I think you're going to find it super interesting. Thanks so much. So how did TrueWork come about?
1: Yeah, good question. So, you know, the, the short story is that, you um, know, it was my my company founded the, the company in 2015, and the, the genesis of it really came from, you know, my working in construction. I've been building houses up in Winter Park, Colorado. It's like 9,000 feet in the middle of winter yeah. time, and we get next door is actually the, the little community that i lived in is called frazier and, and like we had this war with this with a, i think a little um town in minnesota for the, the ice box of the nation title um, awesome. which is always sort of to me a strange thing to want to be known for um but in any case it was cold and you know we were building houses i was working also as a um, kind of a production metal fabricator and um you know wore all the same cotton canvas stuff that everybody wore you know at the time and um you'd get up in the morning and you'd you'd get out in the snow and you'd watch the the sort of water line creep up your, your your canvas pants until you know the sun started to set and it would turn into a big icicle and you'd hope that you know by the by the time the next day started the thing would dry out to the point where you could um you know start again and they yeah. really didn't think much of it. But at the same time I'd been doing a bunch of climbing and skiing, I have a kind of a long background in that. And I took a trip to Europe and, and I looked around and I thought, you know, my God, the guys here are working in Clothing that was as technical as I was, you know, skiing and climbing. And I, you know, Arcterics and Patagonia stuff. And, um, and it just dawned on me. Like I'd been using that stuff in the mountains for, for decades. And I'd never worn out a pair of soft shell pants and it worked great in all those applications. Why would not why was I using it to build? So I just switched and I figured it'd be a year or two before the rest of the industry kind of caught up and the American brands were, were, building technical workwear. Um, and you know, fast forward, um, oh, I don't know, almost five, ten years, and I'd spent a spent in the um, outdoor industry building safety equipment for this uh, for snow safety, avalanche transceivers, and airbag systems, and, and all kinds of uh, crazy stuff like that. And we'd sold that business to K two, and I had a, an opportunity to kind of took a look at what I wanted to do next. And this um, this need for really technical, high performance workwear was, you know, completely still unfilled and you know sort of interesting during that same time there were brands like i don't know if you know jason harrison from kuyu who, who no. uh, you know tragically is is no longer with us but was a mentor of mine for a period of time and um you know he brought this same uh you know technical nature to hunting and we saw you know outdoor research and our carrots building um really technical stuff for the military and yeah. you know the workline market was just still stuck in like the 1800s with the same fabrics and the same technology that we use for, you know, transcontinental railroad or the, the gold rush. And so, um, that was kind of it, you know, I was able to use a lot of the, the background I had in, in product design and product development, building really technical engineered products and, um, combining that with my passion for this community and for the importance of the work that, uh, that everybody here does. And so it's been just a really cool confluence to, um, to build you know a lot of what we're doing here
0: you know what you know i think that is that that it took so long for workwear to catch up to recreational wears. you know there's this mentality and I've, i see it every day where guys are like you know the guys that are out there working working with their hands working in the elements you know they don't complain about it they're just out there doing it and uh you know i think for years i know for me for years i wore gear not in gear just you know the canvas pants the jeans and they were so uncomfortable and they chafed and they were unforgiving and when they got wet forget it um but we just did it We're like, hey this is what we wear they're tough clothes we're tough people this is what we do and that was it um you know it wasn't until I threw on because I used to wear you know north face pants and all that kind of stuff out Mm -hmm. you know backpacking stuff like that but I never Mm -hmm. thought to wear them to work you know, a, they're too expensive. You know, I knew I was going to get paint and dirt and oil and everything else on them. But, uh, when I threw on my first pair of, uh, T2 work pants, I was like, these are badass! Why have I been suffering for so long? So, and I know Jason feels the same way. Totally. Right.
1: And it's, it's some, some of it's just creature of habit. And some of it, you know, frankly, yeah, you just got to try it. Right. And, and, um, Definitely. And to be able to experience the product, I think is a big part of this. And I think what we find from our customer base is that it's a pretty practical group. Um, You get these folks a a product that performs better and becomes an asset and a tool for what they're trying to do. And they see, um, you know, they see the benefits of it, they convert pretty easily. And you know, for a certain generation of folks, we'll, we'll never make that change. But I think right. there's also a, a, <laughs> another generation that you know, they've grown up with Under Armour, right? They've grown up with these these yeah. technical fabrics. And when we say, yeah, like, imagine that, but like built for the work market and for the jobs you're doing.
0: Yeah. Um, well, there's you know, kind
1: of not a lot more explanation
0: needed. There really isn't because I will tell you that the younger and I don't want to I don't want to date myself, but the younger generation of of <laughs> worker, they don't want to wear their granddad's Bibs. You know what I mean? They want to wear, they want to be comfortable, they want to look good, and they don't want it to cost them a freaking fortune. And uh like Arterix makes great products, but you know, they come with a great price tag also. So yeah, you know, there's gotta be a balance there. And I feel like, you know, when I stumbled upon TrueWork, I guess almost a year ago, um, I was like, Man, this is a perfect marriage of cost and quality. And Jason, you know, the co-host, he, always, he wears his to work, but he also wears them hunting. And he tells me all the time, he's like, man, I just went through an entire field of brambles and you can't even tell that I walked through this field. There's no tears, there's no nicks, there's no nothing, which is, you know, which is awesome. So- yeah, it's,
1: you know, it's interesting. I, I appreciate that, that you know, feedback. I think the, you know, the cost is a major component to this. And when we started the company, we made the decision to be a direct-to-consumer brand. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a lot of talk about that today, but fundamentally, there's a couple reasons why that was a critical decision for us. And one of them um, was really the ability to use very expensive, relatively speaking, fabrics. Um, if you sell through retail, there's this notion of what they call keystoning and and that is basically the, the retailer effectively doubles the sort of keystone margin, right? They'll double the cost of, um, of the product that the wholesaler sells it to them at. So if we produce something for, you know, $25, that's going to get turned around and sold at retail for $50. Mm. Um, but if we sell it direct, we can keep that, you know, a portion of that margin and put it into better fabric yeah. and still sell it at a price that's, you know, I'm not saying anything we make is cheap, um, no. <laughs> it's an investment, but it's, it's achievable for people, right? And yeah. for people that are committed to their careers and to what they're trying to do, our goal is to try and make it affordable. And, you know, and, and you know, a lot of it is, um, if we see reductions in costs that are associated with volume production or whatever it is, we, we do everything we can to pass that along to our customers. I mean, we launched awesome. a company, the T, a T2 pant was $169 and in, and, you know, now it's at 79. So awesome. um, it's cool. Yeah,
0: it really is. You know, I'll tell you, there's nothing. It's I, I equate it to tools in your toolbox. So I, I recently got into like a back and forth with a guy over um, a hard hat Cause he was like, Oh, that hard hat's too expensive. And I was like, How much do you pay for your boots? And he's like, Oh, I made $200 for my boots. And I was like, Why don't you treat your head with the same respect you treat your feet? But and it goes beyond totally. that because you're like, When I go out, if I need to buy tools, I'm not going to go out and buy junk because I need them. I need them to last and I need them to perform. Same thing with my clothes. You know, I want to put, I want to clad my body in high performance gear because. You know, you guys have that that slogan or that saying that you you build for the industrial athlete. Well, you know, workers out in the elements, these essential workers, that's what they are. They're they're athletes. They're running up and down stairs. They're climbing in ditches. They're climbing up towers. You know, that's hard work. And they need cladding that's going to work as hard as them. So I'm a huge fan. And, you know, I know I've, I've told our listeners in the past, I'm a huge fan of True Work Gear. The stuff is awesome. I wear it all the time. Um but I'd like to talk about something that I think is really cool, um, and that is you're doing tree climbing competitions. How did that happen?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So um, we when we launched the brand, um, one of the first sort of verticals, quote unquote, if you will, that, that really picked up what we were doing was what, what we think of as work at height um, People that are industrial climbers, and this could range from rope access technicians, people installing, you know, antennas on on skyrise buildings to um, tower climbers. We do a ton of work with tower climbers, communication yeah. guys that are, you know, 150 to 300, 400 feet up in the air, um, and you know, and the, the the tree care community, arborists, were another group that were very quick to adopt. Um, you know part of this was they they really needed the technical for the, the, just such physical work they're out in the elements um they needed durability and you think about what an arborist goes through in a day i mean you've got like every possible thing you could try and throw at you know destroy a pair of pants you've got abrasion from the bark you've got pokey sticky things you've got saws you've got chainsaw um you've got grease you've got chippers you've got brush i mean it is like the worst conditions for a pair of pants you can imagine. And so for us, we, you know, for us, we saw it as this opportunity to, you know, sort of really set the bar for the performance and durability of the product. Yeah. And and so we jumped onto that. And part of arborists and that community are these tree climbing competitions. And it's this really cool thing because um, the uh, ISA, International Society of Arboriculture um, sponsors a, a sort of network, if you will, of these, competitions. And there are regional um, chapters that will host their competitions. And then those, those regional chapters roll up to a North American championship. And then there's actually a world championship um, that takes place. And it, it's just been the coolest part of this um, because what we see fostered in these competitions, and I I described the difference between like bar games, like, Hey, how fast can you, you know, hammer this nail into this tree trunk or into a stump or, you know, the, the benefit to the arborist climbing competitions is that for the most part, each of the events is set up such that if you train for it and you invest in your ability to compete at that event, you will become a better, more efficient, safer, and, and you know, just more productive production climber. Yeah, and you're yeah and, and so it they foster a tremendous amount of community support uh, the development of skills the the evolution of technology setting standards for safety and and so we just kind of bought in and um yeah, I could and go more or talk less I mean, what do you think
0: so what, so were you like would you, you like go check out one of the competitions and you're like you know what I gotta I gotta get up there and said forget it I'm climbing this tree how did you uh, get yeah, into so,
1: it? How did I personally get into it? That's a good question. So, um, I went and attended the first climbing competition that I had gone to myself. I had a little bit of booth there, and it, it was just me in a little tent. Um, and I watched the whole thing, and it's just totally like it was the coolest thing. Um, it, and the next year, we had actually hired one, a guy who was his name is Keith Stoner, and he's he was my first employee. Um, he started out as, as an ambassador for us, and he was an arborist in the area. And I wound up being able to bring him on full time as you know as part of our team, and he's an integral part of our of our team. But he and I started climbing together, and he taught me a lot. I mean, he's an incredible instructor, and was able to teach me a lot of you know the, the tricks and 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 techniques that are used to do this. And so the next year, um, I actually signed up and was able to participate and compete. And I think. You know, what you'll find from a a cultural or a product development perspective for myself and the team at TrueWork is that it means a lot to us to be able to be on the job site and experience what our customers are experiencing. And I'm by no means saying that I'm, you know, qualified to be side by side with them. But at least, you know, you can put me on a on a on a tree removal job site and I will know what's going on. Cool. Um, So when we get feedback from people. And they say, "Hey, this zipper is in this place," or you know, the muffler on my chainsaw is burning this part of my leg. Um, we understand, and we can develop the product to, to really fit people's needs. And so we we put a premium on being on the job site, using the product ourselves, in in as close to um, the applications that our customers are. And, and the, the tree climbing events were a great opportunity to do that.
0: How'd you do? Were you were you able to compete with those guys? Because I, I was watching them. I watched a bunch of videos, and I was like, "And I used to climb towers, you know." Um, but I was a lot younger (laughs) when I was climbing down, you know, I'm watching those guys Ah. and I'm like, these guys are super athletes. They are up and down those trees so fast. You know, I I was impressed. How'd you do when you went out there and competed? Are there like different levels, different Ah. tiers? No,
1: it's, it's all kind of you know you, you throw in there, and, and everybody does the um, the qualifying events, and mm-hmm. then the top you know three to five uh, finishers go to Masters Climb, and um, you know Keith, the guy I was just mentioning, is he, he qualifies for Masters Climb, and you know he's at that level. I yeah, yeah. I you know I'm a top ten, top fifteen ish, you know top twenty somewhere in that range, and I just try to be respectable and not make a fool of myself. Yeah, no, get I get any, it. You know egregious <laughs> violations and. It's good. I mean, I, benefit, I, I spent a lot of time rock climbing and, and, you know, participating in sports that involves lots of ropes. Oh, so you're familiar. Track, yeah. So you're level f- one certified. and That's good. I've been through a lot of years of, of climbing from the industrial side to the, um, to the recreational retreat. And I think this is actually, you know, sort of an interesting point here is that um, as you get further into your career as in, in these different, trades, you start to be able to put together disparate experiences. So like for example, you know, the example we're just talking about, not to talk about me too much, but the having worked as a as a rock climbing and alpine guide and then spent time doing my level one rope access certification and then going and timing trees, you start to put together the skill sets and you can pick up the next one faster. And it's cool to watch the, you know, our customers in their career progression go yeah. from you know doing general construction in in one sector and then going and working in another and fabricating and the the, the skills all build on one another and mm-hmm. so that career path gets to be really powerful when you watch somebody who's you know kind of getting into that you know early 30s and mid 30s where they have just got that really solid base of, of technical skills and then they start to apply that into different trades and and the things they're able to do is just incredible so i think um you know, my experience with climbing trees is and the point here is simply that, you know, the building of skill sets over years allows you to very quickly sort of pick up new, new and exciting aspects of your career. And I think it's it's a cool thing to watch that a lot of our customers,
0: you know, what's kind of, kind of crazy. I get a lot. So I, I get a lot of resumes, people you know, they send them in from all over the country and they're like, Hey, you know, they're like, can you look at this for me? Or do you know of any builders that are looking to hire? So I am constantly sending resumes all over the place. Um, and one thing I noticed a lot of times I'll look at a resume for a guy that's been in the business for like 15 years and his resume will be there'll be like nothing on it. And I'm like and I'll call him up and I say, hey, man, you know, I, I'm looking at this. You've been in the business for a long time. Why haven't you filled this out? And a lot of times guys don't realize the skill set that they've picked up over the years. And, you know, and I'll, I'll find my i will like walk through. I'm like, well, what did you do with this company? And I'm like, well, you were a manager there. You've got managerial skills. You've got this. You've got that. You know, and guys don't realize sometimes the skills that they're actually learning um, until you kind of help walk them through it. So, you know, I I find it super rewarding if I can call a guy up or a gal, say person, and uh, and help kind of unlock some of the experience that they've got through the years. Um, and they're like, oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> you know, I'm a genius. I've got all the skill I didn't even know. <laughs> so I, I think yeah, it-
1: it's. Super valid point there, man, and and critical, right, that we help the people in our community appreciate uh, the skill sets they have, frankly, the difficulty and the rarity of it. Um, And, you know, it's kind of the first step to getting society in general to recognize the value that's created by our community, right, is the community itself has to recognize that and and be able to articulate that. Oh yeah. And so the, the, the you know the conversation you described to me, that just sounds super powerful. It's really cool that you had the opportunity to do that
0: for people. Oh, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite things to do. You know because people, you know especially in the uh, the building trades, you know they tend to get they tend almost tend to put themselves in a box where they're like this is what I do. I'm a plumber, or I'm an electrician, or I'm you know this or I'm that, and that's all I am. And when you can unlock those other skill sets that they're picking up along the way um it's super powerful and it i think it elevates the entire industry so that people realize because i I guess there's this i'm not a belief but there's this i hear it from time to time where people like uh you know construction workers are like dirty they're unsophisticated well that is not the case you know people that work in the trades are Professionals, you know, when you come across someone, and this is doesn't even have to be the building; it's gonna be any anybody that works with their hands. When they are, you know, I I would call them like a master builder or a master plumber or electrician or whatever. That person has a skill set that is unmatched. You know, they are uh, just a professional at whatever it is they're doing, and it doesn't matter whether they're a doctor, a lawyer, or a plumber. Once you reach a certain level, you're a master at your trade, and you cannot. That's not something that uh, that you can just go buy off a shelf or just go grab somebody from you know after a four year degree and say okay you can operate at the same level as this guy over here who's been doing it for twenty years just can't do it so I get super passionate about yeah. it.
1: <laughs> couldn't could, could not agree more. It is uh, it, it's absolutely critical and the the value that's perceived in that. I mean, it's amazing to watch um, you know the the quality of life. I think is another component of this. It doesn't get talked about a lot, but um, you know, if you, if you look at the quality of life that's afforded to somebody who is, you know, in, in a professional plumbing or electrician role or, you know, so many of these trades, they, they live as well or better than any doctor or lawyer that I know. Oh yeah. Sometimes pay not may not be commensurate, but the overall level of satisfaction, the, the level of contribution that they make to their community um, just the, the sense of having, being able to, to fix things and, and the accomplishment that comes from that and keep, keep things working. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's a missed, a, a missed quality of life um, component that we would, you know, we would do well to try and help the younger generation to understand that, look, you, know, you, can, you can go try and get a you know, four-year degree in, in whatever computer science thing you want to get, and then you can go try and work in an office or a cubicle at, at Facebook or Google, and you might make a little more money, but at the end of the day, you're not going to have a better life. No and way. The you know no, and that to me that's the coolest part, right? Like I meet these these guys and girls out there that are that are you know young in their careers and, and evolving in it, and just the potential for them to have um, an exceptional uh, you know lifestyle and, and way of life. To me, I think that's
0: totally awesome well you know that's a that's a great segue to um your essential services campaign because you know when they start when when these governors started to say only essential workers could um could go to work you know because of this covid19 outbreak you know i obviously i had, I had to jump into it and say what is an essential service and when you look at the list of people that are considered essential it's your healthcare professionals your construction workers, your tower workers, your infrastructure guys. So it's all these guys that, you know, a lot of, you know, I call them, you know, scholarly elites kind of dismiss as unsophisticated. Well, Now those are the people that are keeping society running. You know, I watched your video on YouTube when you talked about the fact that your water still runs, your toilet still flushes. Those are the essential services, guys. Those are the ones that are keeping society running normal if you will you know keeping us uh, you know so sur- you know thriving not just surviving it's awesome
1: you bet yeah it, you know one of the things that strikes me too and damien is that it's it's not just right now right but these these folks are always doing this yeah this, this isn't like they didn't just oh coronavirus time for us to like start <laughs> doing this right they they They've been doing they were doing this six months ago and they're gonna be doing it six months from now. And they're yeah. going to be doing it six years from now. And it's gonna be it's going to change, right? The requirements it, it is in many cases more risky for them today, right? Yeah. The challenges yeah. they face in trying to keep themselves and their customers healthy are different than they were six months ago. But there were challenges six months ago that they that that our customers and you know the the essential worker community was facing, and they're gonna be different tomorrow. And I think one of the things that's really important to me in this is that we we do everything we can to capture this notion of essential services and essential workers because the spotlight is on is on our community right now, um, but making sure that we carry that forward and recognize that when when the coronavirus comes to pass, you know it isn't like our it isn't like our community just sort of like fades away and goes back to doing you know nothing. They're still doing the same things they are effectively doing today. Um, it's just that society won't notice it. At the same level they are today, and you know, to an certain extent, that's um, that comes with our territory. Yeah. But to another real extent, that's not right, right? I think there's this element of the the value that's created by the work that's done um, by our by our community needs to be recognized, not just at times of coronaviruses and at the times of natural disasters. Although, of course, our our group steps up during these times. Yep. Um, but it needs to be every day. And so that's, that's a huge part of, you know, our objective here is let's, let's, you know, amplify as much as we can the value that's being created during these times, because frankly, it is, it is riskier. There are different challenges, um, but continue to carry that flag into the future so that we don't just, um, you know, things don't go, you know, in a sense back to the way they were, because I think we've got an opportunity to, you know, capitalize on, on the, uh, the spotlight for for a bit
0: here well i will tell you so you guys have the um your essential services flag or the the stickers that you guys put on your website um i showed those to a bunch of dudes bunch of guys and girls that um work in construction and they looked at that and were like because there's so much angst amongst a lot of uh a lot of the guys that are out there working you know i talk to my i've got you know construction managers that work for me and uh, and guys that I talk with, just friends that I have, you know, and they're all like, man, I'm out here. They're super nervous. They're they're getting their job done um, because that they're doers. That's what they do. And uh, but they're nervous, you know. They're 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 like, I'm out here, you know, killing it. So everybody else can sit at home and and on and on. And when I showed them that those flags, those stickers that you guys made, they were like, that is awesome. Every single one of them wanted it because you mentioned it. It's like a badge of honor. They look at that and finally. There's a a thin line for them, you know, and I I, I think you are going to get I hope you printed a million of those things, because I think you are going to get overwhelmed with the with the response for that campaign.
1: I'll tell you, man. We, we will uh, we will continue printing as many stickers as we can. It's something that is not um, you know this isn't this this notion is not new to us, right? I mean, this has been our our mantra from from the beginning of crew work, and it's going to continue to be. Um, and to the extent that anybody who you know wants to fly that flag and and help um, show our our support and solidarity for the for the people that we think are you know they're they're making society happen. And um, I'll tell you, it's a it's a point of pride for us and. Uh, we're excited to see where where that campaign goes. And again, I just I want to emphasize, like this isn't a two or a three week campaign for us. This is, this awesome. is we live this day in and day out along with our customers, and we'll we'll continue to you know, to to fly that flag and beat the drum as loud as we can
0: as long as they're still out there doing doing everything they do. Yeah, and they will be because that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, right? So, how do that's we? It. What's your uh, What's your website?
1: Yeah, truework.com. T-R-U-E-W-E-R-K. The E-R-K is kind of the only tricky part. Um, and truework.com. And you'll see there's, right now, there's, I think, a little radio button on the on the lower right-hand side that just says essential uh, services. And you can click on that. And we, we've, you know, like everybody right now, we're, we're working quickly. So there'll be elements of this that we'll continue to refine if people have ideas. Um, for new, you know, new ways to, to, support, um, one another, let us know. We're, we're open and, and, just like anything we do, we want involvement. And, and it's kind of one of the great things about being a direct brand, right? There's no middleman between us. And so we get to, we get to interface with our customers daily. Um, and, and that's, you know, kind of what brings us joy. So please let us know if there's feedback or, or ideas you have. Um, we've, we've looked at the idea of trying to, uh, create a little bit of a, a recognition or, a, um, I don't like the term award, but, Something that recognizes members in the community that go from above and beyond, and um, so if there are people who you know you see doing something above uh, the norm that we should look to recognize. We'd love to hear about that. Love to hear those stories, and awesome. um, again, try to do everything we can to amplify that. So TrueWork.com, uh, you can find us at Instagram, just at TrueWork, and um, all the all the engagement and, and community involvement we can get to, the better.
0: Awesome. You know what, man? I, I got to tell ya, you, you guys have been a great friend to the construction management podcast. Um, and it's because, you know, it just comes out that you guys, all of your employees, everybody I've interacted with at TrueWork is just in it. They're like, this is the industry that we're here to support. Um, they are all super excited about it. You know, I, I, uh, I, I'm hooked. I, I will be a true work fan and purchase your clothes for as long as you guys are making them. Because I I have a ton of it now, and there's nothing that I've gotten that hasn't been awesome and super durable, thank God, because I beat up clothes.
1: (laughs) Awesome, Damien. Yeah, you know, let me just say we appreciate that, and we don't take that lightly, right? I mean, there's a level of responsibility that comes with that, and from the product side to, you know, I always say there's two things we take really seriously. One is the technical performance aspects of our products, and the second is taking care of the people that wear them. Love it. And, and, and those are our two commitments. And uh, that's it, what we're all about. Well,
0: it shows. It shows with everything you guys do. So I, I am uh, very grateful because, you know, I, I guess because I've been in construction for so long, a lot of times, you know, I, feel, I talk to guys and they're just like, there's almost like a a sense of, not that we're forgotten about or ignored, Uh, almost like a almost like a mild neglect (laughs) people just take for granted um the fact that they can walk into their their home or a business or a hotel or whatever it happens to be and it's just like it was just just i grew there (laughs) because it didn't yeah you know people built those things by hand so it's it's uh it's nice to be appreciated it's nice when when companies show that they appreciate the industry that they're helping to support so kudos to you guys you guys are uh, you guys are killing it so and i'm super excited to finally get you on the show because jason and i've been talking about it forever um but schedules are what they are and i know we're busy you're busy so i'm glad we were finally able to get you on here
1: you bet yeah absolutely my my motto right now is uh is don't postpone adapt you know there's there's too many reasons to postpone stuff and if we can just adapt to things and keep it rolling uh, I think that's the, that's the move right now. So sorry, Jace wasn't here, but i um, We've been able to make this happen.
0: That's right. So did you listen to that whole interview?
2: I listened to the whole interview. It was by far your best interview. Thank you. and Better than any of the ones that I've been involved in, <laughs> which I'm super jealous about. And, and no joke, like I'm, I'm, you know, I, I just wish I was part of that interview, man. It was cool. I mean, it's the thing that we've, We've had an opportunity to test more than anything else, and yeah. it's my favorite products ever, and I wish I could have been part of it.
0: I know, so. man. I was bummed out. As as I was doing the interview, I was like, oh, man, Jason's going to be bummed. He, he's missing out. It was really good. Well, you mentioned me a lot. I appreciate that. Yeah, dude, always. And I didn't say you were quarantined.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I totally thought you were going to. I was kind of waiting. For
0: you, <laughs> I figure I got to stop spreading that, sh- that shit around because... God forbid your mom listens to the show. She'll be like, "Oh my God, Jason's quarantine." He's <laughs> in his
2: quarantine. Why didn't
0: he tell me? He never told me. He never tells me anything. Then you got to deal with that. So yeah, it was a yeah, uh, it was a really good uh, it was a really good interview. Um, you know, the essential services like campaign that they're putting out there is really cool. You know. Because I, I feel like everybody's got a, a, a like a line, a thin line. Like the cops have a thin blue line, firefighters have a thin red line, um, and now essential service workers have a have a thin high vis line. It's cool, right? Yeah. Well, know? I mean, you know,
2: this whole thing lumped us together with emergency services and law enforcement, quick, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Like,
0: well, I mean, I th- I, mean, I think it makes construction sense. Construction
2: like the only people out on the road, otherwise.
0: Yeah, dude, traffic's been awesome. If there's a silver lining <laughs> to this, traffic is awesome. I can get it is really true. You know, all the roads that always had the most, the heaviest congestion that I would sit there and I would dread, and I would leave my house at five in the morning just so I would not have to drive on those roads wide open. I'm like, I'm like a race car driver as I go down the street.
2: Okay, so that is definitely something I've heard a comment about a lot, and it's like, what is with all the people driving twice the speed limit everywhere because there's nobody on the road nobody wants to pull you over either bro oh dude there's there's a pandemic
0: yeah man i get pulled over
2: stick your head in the door
0: i'm gonna start (laughs) fake coughing sneezing i
2: know
0: it'll be bad it'll be bad
2: you know it's, it's funny because we're you know we're essential um you know we have like company note that explains where we, you know, where
0: we work and what yeah, we're man. out
2: for and all this stuff. And I said, I already had a cough, cough, sneeze plan in case I got pulled over. Oh yeah. And now that's, now that's out the window.
0: Oh dude, there's a lady in my hometown that, uh, I do not name that town, but, um, apparently she drove to like her brother-in-law's house or something, picked him up, drove him back to her house to help her move a piece of furniture some domestic dispute broke out in the house. The cops showed up because of the domestic, because, you know, they were called. And uh, and they're like, what's he doing here? And she said, oh, I went and picked him up to help me move a piece of furniture. And they're like, oh, really? Here's a $5,000 fine.
2: Right? That's the deal in Maryland, right?
0: Yeah, dude. It it was in the paper. It's crazy. It was on the news. Woman gets, you know, $5,000 fine for moving furniture. But well... You know, you're being
2: a pain in the ass during a pandemic.
0: Well, yeah, that's the thing. I was because Gina's telling me the story and I'm like I'm like, oh I'm like, wait, what were the cops doing at her house? And she's like, domestic dispute. I'm like, they don't have anything else to deal with but domestic I was like, that woman deserves that fourth or five thousand dollar fine. <laughs> I'm like, you I know, mean,
2: while everybody else is like struggling to keep it together and you're like arguing about moving like, you know, an armoire. Give me a break.
0: Give me a break, right? Jesus. Break. So I'll tell you. So
2: I, I will tell you. N- nothing has ever been harder these last few weeks. Like, and I say that like there's there's so many things that are way harder. I'm just saying, in a in an industry where we're still moving, yep. And there's still stuff happening, and every day people are depending on us to like open up the doors to the homes and allow them to do their work six feet away from everybody else and safely and all that stuff. I mean, it's just a tremendous strain on the construction managers. I mean, these guys are out there not only running work and trying to stay on schedule and dealing with delays from suppliers and you know and problems with buyers and you know you finally come into the end of a bunch of homes, you're in the middle of a bunch of homes and you're starting a bunch of homes and there's problems literally across the board with all of those things and Yeah man it's like it's just it's just a lot, man. I mean, I know you feel it because I feel
0: it. Oh, my God. Big time. You know what? I, I feel like because, <clears throat> you know, I, I keep seeing stuff where people are like, you know, oh, I've, I've really been able to, you know, start my new my exercise routine up again. All this free time is really great. I'm reading books. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this and I'm, I'm all about it. I'm like, man, if you got the free time. Do it. That, that, that is awesome. Right. But at the same time, I'm like. I feel like, the same <laughs> way about
2: teachers in the summertime. <laughs> I mean, like, look, I, I don't want to say that because nobody wants to say, like, that they don't appreciate teachers, which I totally do. I mean, We yeah. watch our kids, for, like, most of the year. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, oh, I dread going back to school. Like, seriously? <laughs> you know we've been working the whole time,
0: right? Dude, I've been working my ass off night and day. I feel like... You know, it's funny. I forget who I was talking to somebody, and they're like, "Dude, I don't know what day it is anymore." And I'm like, "I get it," because uh, you know, Saturday, Sunday, you know, the whole week, I'm available. I'm working. Sucks.
2: You know, it's funny. I I say that I've never worked harder. I said everything that you do, every every step that you take is as if you're in a swamp that's waist deep, and it's like it's just way harder to go anywhere that you normally would go very easily. Yeah, and. You know, and then there's all the uncertainty and all the like stones that haven't been uh, overturned at this point. And it's just like all those things. All you can do is focus on the things that are ahead of you, try and plan the best you can, stay as organized as you can, try to comfort the people that are your customers. I mean, let's face it. Like we are so fortunate to work for a company that like I wish I could put them on blast but like that a a company that understands its clients and and how important these homes are that we build for them and how important it is for, you know, us to stay moving for all the people that depend on us. And like, it's, you know, it, it feel a little bit of a tremendous weight, but at the same time we're supported and and everybody's kind of working toward a common goal, which I just feel like is a little bit like, a relief do you feel like a relief like yeah we're all kind of like just focused on the same things
0: yeah dude i will tell you that you know having a supportive um employer or having that support group or having people that you work for that just appreciate what you do makes right. all the difference it makes it worth getting up and going to work man that's uh that's huge that's huge yeah that's, it really is that's one of the things i was talking to brian about you know at, at the end of the interview you know, we, we were kind of bullshitting a little bit and it's not on the, it's not on the podcast, but, um, I was telling them, you know, everybody I've dealt with at TrueWork, you know, that's a family over there. So those guys, they they get it, you know, they're all working together toward a common goal. And, you know, the same thing with you and I, where we work, you know, particularly, you know, especially in our department, everybody is rowing in the same direction. And it's awesome. And when, you know,
2: that's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah, no dude, it's cool. And it makes it worth like, I want to go to work for you because I know you're going to go to work for me kind of mentality. And it's awesome.
2: Dude, it is. is. There's lots of, lots of support. And, you know, I I can't speak for people outside of our company, but I'm sure you're, you know, everybody that's listening is probably feeling the same thing being that your, your industries, if your town is open for business, your industry is part of that. Yeah, for the most part. And, you know, that means that we've got some loved ones at home that are probably out of work or just stay working from home. And, you know, in the, the confinement of that, too, I mean, there's something that is like takes a long time to get adjusted to. I know there's lots of people that work from home two, three days a week. Dude, I'm working from home three days a week right now. Yeah. And I'm going in and staying on the job site with my CMs, at, you know, at least one full day, if not two days a week. And man, it is, it's still like, oh my God, I've never appreciated getting up and leaving here early <laughs> more than I <laughs> did <even> now.
0: <laughs> Dude, I pulled up to a, to a stop sign the other day or a stoplight and I'm sitting there and the, you know, the roads are deserted. There's nobody out. And some blonde haired chick in a Tesla pulls up next to me. She got all four windows down,
2: blasting it's some not PC,
0: whatever. She's all she got She's blasting hip hop. I look over at her and she's like, getting it. She's dancing in her seat and singing. And I'm like, I'm looking at her and I'm like, what the hell job does this yeah. lady have? She is thrilled to be going to work or wherever the hell she's going. Yeah, she probably has
2: been cooped up at home for a couple of days with her damn snot nosed kids, and yeah. she's like, oh my god, I don't care if I have to dig a ditch today. I'm leaving this place. Oh, dude,
0: I I I mean. It was probably seven a.m. and this woman was so excited to be in her car, be bopping away. I was like, it made me smile, man, it made me laugh. I was looking over at her. It's like, yeah, lady, get it.
2: <laughs> Dude, seriously, I I feel like every bit of like happiness and like people being positive, I like am trying to soak it up
0: Mm-hmm.
2: because it is it's tough. Let's face it, like we're expected to uphold you know company values, expectations for buyers, and you know, you've got you've got this scenario where it's like some of these people desperately need help. You know, what we're finding is like, you know, it's tough to sell your home. If you didn't plan for this, for this new home purchase, with a big buffer zone between your current home sale and your new purchase.
0: Oh, you're like yeah. you didn't
2: plan to go live with your kids for a while or your brother for a while or something like that, like you're having a hard time right now convincing yourself to list your home. Oh yeah. You know, you know, I know that this is a little bit off of what we were talking about, but man, I tell you, there are tons of options out there. My wife is a real estate agent in Virginia Yeah, and she's, you know, basically setting up pictures from the customers in their own home and putting together virtual tours, videos, listing homes, like coming up with creative ways to not have people in and around your, your home and your family, but to also still list your home and, and try to make, you know, this transaction work. And so like a lot of what we're doing now. And I, and I know that the construction managers are having these conversations too. Is like people nervous to come in and meet and walk through their home and sign paperwork. And yeah, dude. And you know, the truth is that if you're understanding and you try and make it work for them, this can't last forever. There's never been a flu that went five years. Like we're gonna we're gonna get through it, and we'll be on the other side soon enough.
0: Wait, five have to, five like, years? Not,
2: Wait, was I, there a was there a
0: flu that went four?
2: No. Okay. I think <laughs> I think that, I think I read the Spanish flu was was 1918 to 1920. Oh
0: um, my god! Like the god.
2: first was that like the last like real actual like I don't know I don't
0: know what I'm talking about. I, I don't know, know, but you so, do, I you guess. just scared the shit out of me. I'd be totally honest with you. No, I mean I'm just saying this has it, to it, end it's
2: not gonna it's not gonna last forever. You know, at some point we're gonna come at, you know, this thing is gonna peak, it's gonna fall, we're gonna be moving on. Good. People will have still done business in between, and when we come out on the other end, I feel like it's gonna be not business as usual, but like making up for lost time.
0: Oh no, dude, I think we're you gonna know? come out the other end much stronger, much believe it or not, happier because I think we're finding easier ways to get the same job done. And I think Literally every day. Yeah, every day. And I think uh, it just breeds innovation. So we'll be good, man. Right. All right, guys. That was the podcast for today. I hope you liked it. The interview with Brian, super interesting. Jason's super jealous, which I love. Don't forget to check out buildertactics.com. Go to the foundations page. You can download the manual. There's great information in there. The training's coming soon, as I promised. Also, go to the partners page, click the true work tab. Fill out your story. Tell us something that you're doing to help boost your career, the industry, the trade partners, something something you're doing during the, uh, the pandemic to make your job site safer, for a chance to win some great true work gear. As always, follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. And of, of course, register on the website. And we'll send you emails like once a year. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for your support and we'll talk to you later. Bye.